Welcome, everybody. It is BMW Weekly episode 166. See, I remembered. I didn't have to look on the... Now, it is 16th of May. <laughs> you of just May looked at it a second before. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, the age doesn't come alone, like they say. Now, um, it is 16th of May, 2022. And in the BMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest from Microsoft 365, um, the latest news, the, the articles from Microsoft, some of the latest articles from Microsoft and, and community. And we typically have a visitor as well. Uh, my name is Tessa Jovonen. I'm a product manager, still trying to learn this, product <laughs> manager <laughs> in Microsoft 365 platform. And Valdek, you are the co-host. Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Masigas, and I'm Cloud Developer Advocate for Microsoft 365 at Microsoft. Excellent. And today, uh, we'll have a, a visitor, uh, Piers Bosnan. Bosnan. Bogan. Piers Brosnan. There's the other Piers. No, oh, we're not. You we haven't, we haven't invited James Bond. <laughs> you, but you said... <laughs> oh, it's not the same Piers? I always thought that James Bond actually retired <laughs> in Microsoft. So... <laughs> But, but let's jump on the on the interview uh, with Pierce, and we'll start by uh, him introducing him, him him introducing himself and, and what he actually does. So let's jump over there. Welcome, Pierce. Um, we I guess in the intro which we recorded earlier, I already called you Pierce Prosnum. So hopefully you don't mind. <laughs> That's fine. That way. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Pierce, for joining on the PMP Weekly uh, and uh, explain what do you do because you're actually a bit of from from a different organization comparing to Microsoft 365, but you're still working with us super closely. But let's start with a quick intro. So who are you? What are, and what do you do? Oh my god. So this question, like I it's always like a scary question. Like in an interview, you know it's coming, right? Like who are you? What do you do? But I never quite know how to answer it. Uh so I'll give an attempt. Um so I'm Pierce. I'm a principal PM lead working in developer division. I'll explain what that is in a second. And our team focuses, uh, we call our team like the client app innovation team. And really like what we think about is like what's that next generation of client apps going to be? Um, and what I mean by that is like both in terms of the properties of the app, are they going to be more collaborative, asynchronous, chat-based? What does that mean? Uh, and then like, how do I actually build these apps? So it could be pro code, it could be low code, it could be some like in-between state. Um, and so uh, we partner with a lot of teams inside of uh, Microsoft, yours included, uh, to deliver uh, really awesome stories for developers building for our platforms. Yep. That, that's a really great summary on, by the way, what you're doing. That sounded really awesome. So what does that mean in practice? <laughs> what do you do, actually? <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's right, Monday. Marketing intro out of the way. I need to give my real intro. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, first of all, like our team partners with all of the M365 team on developer experience. So uh, I work in developer division, which uh, delivers uh, dev tools like VS, VS Code, uh, languages like .NET and TypeScript, and a whole bunch of Azure services as well, um, such as Azure Functions, API Management, Logic Apps, etc. Um, and so, like, we love to work with other teams inside of Microsoft on their developer experience. So we just partner together. We're developers. I'm a developer. I write code, um, and we just want it to be an awesome experience for developers to build for our platform. So first and foremost, like, we partner with other teams. We give feedback. We give suggestions. We work with other teams on what exactly it means to have a good developer experience. More concretely, for M365, we built something called the Teams Toolkit, um, which really is just developer tools for building Teams apps. You know, if you're building a mobile app or you're building a web app, you have dev tools. The same thing is true for Teams. 
so we have something called the Teams Toolkit. If you're using Visual Studio, you can get that in the Visual Studio Marketplace. Uh, if you're using VS Code, you just go to the Extensions Gallery and search for Teams Toolkit. And then we also have a CLI-based experience because we know that some people love using CLI and care less a little bit about some of the interactions in the dev tools themselves. So those are the three concrete things that we deliver for M365. Um, I also work with the Azure Communication Services team on their developer experience. So if you kind of think we'll get into this a bit more later, if you think about Teams as or Teams and M365 platform as you're bringing your app into a collaborative surface, right, where people are already working, Azure Communication Services is almost the opposite. I can embed these really collaborative capabilities into my application, even if it doesn't live inside of Microsoft 365. Um, so we work with the Azure Communication Services team on developer experience. And then something that I do that is a little bit uh, like newer is I work partner with the Power Platform team on something called Fusion Development. And so basically what this is, is we think, hey, there's low code, there's pro code, there's citizen developers, there's professional developers, like we're better together, right? And so um, I honestly believe that like the overwhelming majority of internal applications that are built inside of organizations could have some low code components and that can really make developers more productive, right? Yep. Um, and so uh, what our team does is we say, how can we blend the best parts of low code with the best parts of pro code, right? And so we've been working with the Power Platform team to really make their platform really extensible for professional developers so that I can build 85, 90, 95% of my app with low code and then I can extend that last five or 10% I need with either custom UI or APIs or custom logic. So yep. working with a lot of different teams inside of Microsoft, but it's all kind of around this central hypothesis of like the way we build apps is changing and like we need to set up developers for success in the, yep. in the, in the future. Cause it's, cause everything is changing. Like it's crazy. Um, cause I, I entered a, a developer space about 10 years ago. Um, I worked on uh, mobile development actually. Uh, yep. And a company called Xamarin. Are you all familiar with Xamarin? Yes. Yep. I'm in okay, this, cool. this, all of the attendees in this call are for sure. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. Like I started working at Xamarin before it was acquired by Microsoft. Xamarin, for those that don't know, I know you already all know, but I'm going to explain anyways. Was cross-platform mobile development in C sharp for iOS and Android. Um, and so that was kind of like my first uh, foray into building things for developers. Um, and so I worked on mobile dev for quite some time. Um, and now I'm kind of like uh, two or three years ago, I moved over to focus on what I focus on now. And it's crazy just seeing all the changes that have happened just in the last couple of years. Honestly, a lot of it accelerated by COVID, but just the requirements that developers have, you know, I spend so much of my time talking to developers like y'all on the phone every single week and just listening about the scenarios you have. They're vastly different than the scenarios we had even you know four or five years ago for client developers. Yeah, yeah. it's the the speed of innovation is going significantly faster and faster. Now, one thing what I wanted to actually clarify still, because as we started, you you explained that you're in the Azure side of the house, and that yeah. might be a confusing for people who are watching the or listening to the podcast or watching the the video. So it works in a Microsoft in a way that the dev div, meaning the developer division, which is creating visuals to their code, is part of the Azure, which by the way makes I'm a lot too. of sense. 
I mean, that's I too. That's, I'm yeah. a minority. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm the exception of the call. <laughs> wow. And then, <laughs> and then the Azure, uh, because we, of course, it's Microsoft Cloud. Uh, everything in Microsoft Cloud is based on Azure. The identity, the authentication, everything else. And then, of course, the Microsoft 365 is using Azure behind the scenes as a SaaS service. So, therefore, it's actually really good to have then the, the development tooling in the same organization because then there's the right connections and understanding on the how it should be actually built. So kind of a clarifying that from there. So more and more developer de- developer support and developer tooling happens actually outside of the individual, what are those, Microsoft 365 organizations. But but there's kind of an overlap as well because I'm, a, I'm in the platform team as well. So it's kind of a, but I don't write code. Pierce does. So. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I think one of the, like things, I joined Microsoft in 2016. And of course, Microsoft had a reputation before that of not being the most collaborative. But like ever since I've joined Microsoft, which has all been under Satya, like it's been very collaborative. And I think one of the cool things that I really enjoy is like, we all get to use, I believe like every single person has a superpower. And uh, that's true for organizations as well. Like they have certain skills that they really are, are great at, right? And one of the things that I really like about collaborating with other teams at Microsoft is I get to learn from y'all. Like I get to learn from all the teams that I work with. I get to learn from the team team. Okay, what is it like building like uh, something that uh, what 200 something million people use every single day? Like that's even crazy to think about in terms of scale, right? Um, yep. And so you get to learn things and take things from everybody else. And then they get to use my expertise as well. So I think like that's kind of like almost like a hidden benefit of working at Microsoft is you get to tap the brain of all the really smart people all over the company. Um, yeah. And I know I've learned and grown a lot because of that. Yeah, it's almost like a, a series of individual startups which are then collaborating and connecting. And, and it's actually, it's, it's uh, I've been here now 15 and a half years or something like that, started in 2006 in a bit different role first. But it, it's, it's right. been amazing to see the, the change in the company because I joined when Steve, Paul, no, Bill Gates. I don't know. But anyway, Steve Ballmer was different. <laughs> Bill Gates was different. I can't remember anymore, uh, you know, age. Um, but uh, but it's, it's good to see that we're heading to a direction where we are seriously one Microsoft. We're building stuff yep. together. Uh, the mental mindset is completely different. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually the fact that we target all of the devices, all of the platform. We do not discriminate. Uh, we have iPhones and, and stuff, what we use, uh, and all of that stuff. Exactly. So it's just a natural Mine way. Mine has only one case. Camera. It <laughs> it's fine. We all. do. We, yeah. All devices. Do not discriminate. We still love right? you. We still love you. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Just three times less because you have three X less cameras than us, but that's okay. <laughs> So, so Pierre, something what we talked bottom. about pre- before we, before you actually started explaining what you do and where you come from, you you actually pretty recently, well, time flies when you're having fun, right? But you moved from a yeah. role to a different role inside of Microsoft. So you moved to a manager role um, and I started actually having a really great discussion on, oh, it was a bit of a different than you were expecting, but you kind of knew, but still you, you don't really know what it is to be a manager before you come to be a manager. Can you talk about bit on, on those learnings and on that change. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think like intellectually, you know, before you step into that role, what does a manager do? Um, what's their job? What does their schedule look like? They have a lot of meetings, you know, you have some intellectual understanding of what that role is. And I wrote, there was two really, really great books. I'll have to tell you. Uh, one of them was Making of a Manager. Um, and there's another one that's a little bit more tactical, 
Um, and I read both of those before I got started, which, you know, I think you have to have the right mindset when you want to become a lead. Like I talk to a lot of people as part of mentoring conversations and they're like, oh, I want to become a people manager. And you're like, why? And if the answer to that is not the people <laughs> and you love like working with other people and growing other people, then the role's not right for you. And um, I see a lot of like, oh, I just want more responsibility, more power, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. And ultimately it's about the people. And so if you have that mindset and you have that intellectual understanding, then you step into the role. And then like, uh, I think Mike Tyson said, uh, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and that's kind of what it was like that first year as a lead. Um, yeah. You know, I'll be honest, like I had, you know, I had really bad anxiety, a panic attack, things like that, that first year, because there's a whole nother class of issues. You know, when you're an individual contributor, you're focusing on, okay, how do I move the product forward basically every single day, right? Um, and then when you become a lead, there's this whole other like surface level like of issues, right? Uh, how do I build an awesome team? How do we have an awesome team culture? What values are important to us? Uh, how do I help all the people on this team achieve their career goals? Um, so there's like a whole bunch of, uh, you know, team and people related issues is not really the right thing to say, but concerns to think about um, when you become a lead. And I think like, Perhaps the thing that really makes sense when you say it out loud, but like you didn't really, I didn't really think about when I became a lead is you have much less time for some of the things that you used to love about being an individual contributor, right? Um, yeah. Like I just have way less time for writing code and I had to make a ton of time for that um, very intentionally. Like before I, I would always have time to write code, right? I didn't have to say, you know, Pearson's going to make a calendar of it for writing code from 2 to 3 p.m., right? Yeah. Uh, but now I... <laughs> not always perfect because usually something does almost always come up, but almost every single Friday I spend from noon until I leave work writing code. And, you know, especially when you're working in a technical field, I think, you know, certainly I don't have to be like the most, like, you know, I don't have to be the architect who understands how everything works and everything like that. But I do think it's really hard to have an empathy for your end users. Yes. I talk to customers all the time. Yes. I'll look at the data, but like, using the product yourself and feeling all the same pain and delight yeah. that your customers feel, that's an entirely different experience. And so there's things like writing code that when you become a lead, you really have to be intentional about making time for. Um, yeah. But I'll say like, you know, it was a rough experience at first because like, yeah, there was just so much and there's so many problems that come up constantly, you know, like you had all your problems and now it's like times however big your team is, right? And yeah. so it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And then over time you settle in more into the role. So if you're a new lead, uh, I'll say, It'll get better, hopefully. Um, <laughs> find yourself some good mentors. I had some great mentors here at Microsoft who really helped me through that phase and kind of set my expectation. Hey, it's going to be a little bit of a rough time your first yeah. three, six months as a lead, but you'll settle in. And they helped me co coach me through some of the, the challenges that I was having. And obviously having a really good manager yourself also helps with that. So yeah. um, those are some of the things I learned as I became a lead, which I guess I've been one for about a year and a half now um, yeah. after being an IC for like the previous 10 years of my career. And, it's, and it's, so, it's, so, yeah. so first, have you been a PM or did, did you go from dev to PM to a lead or from PM to a lead? So uh, prior to joining Microsoft, I had a software engineering title. Uh, I did have a software engineering degree, which at my university basically was a computer science degree with more math and, and you know, physics and things like that, um, that wasn't required for the CS program. So I had to take a ton of math classes, which of course I never used. Um, and I had to take like engineering, like statics and dynamics and stuff like that, which, you know, was neat, but like, I don't know how applicable that is to my day to day, but alas, um, I have a software engineering background. 
I got into code via writing uh, like game stuff. Classic, uh, <laughs> classic oh. story for a lot of uh, a lot of us in uh, this field. Um, I was really interested in World of Warcraft uh, mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and um, so like uh, not kosher, but like I was really into uh, like private servers and things like that. So I'd like set those up, and you know you'd have to set up a database and compile this private server and like all this. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but like I learned some of the components did it work? and that's what it, it did work. I didn't there you go. It. it was just like the most important part, right? From GitHub, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, like I kind of um, got an appreciation for what the field was. And then I kind of grew more into it over time. Um, so then I went to college. I started at Xamarin uh, while I was in college. I worked all throughout college, which was really difficult um, while getting a degree for Xamarin. Um, it was in that startup phase. So one thing I really appreciated about that was I got to like wear all the hats. Like, yes, I had a software engineer title, but if someone needed to go to a conference, I'd go to the conference. If someone needed to jump on a sales call, I'd jump on the sales call. If someone needed to write a doc, I'd write a doc. And then when I joined Microsoft, I became a PM. And I will say that that exposure, Which is that I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was never, I was never like, you know, the best doc writer, the best salesperson, the best software engineer. But like the fact that I had, I really understood what each of those roles was and how they functioned. When I became a PM, okay, part of my job is to get the best out of all the people around me, right? And yeah. so I understood all of the purposes of all those roles, which a lot of people get very, um, they stick to what they know, right? Like they don't lean into that discomfort of, I don't know like how sales works. I don't know how marketing works. I don't know how to write code. And if you lean into that discomfort, uh, I find that uh, there's a lot of growth there uh, because a lot of people just hide in what they know. Um, and that's really not where most of the growth is going to come from. Certainly, I have superpowers and I need to lean into my strengths, but like also having an awareness of all these other business functions really served me well. So then after I joined Microsoft, I was a PM on Xamarin, then all of our mobile developer tools, uh, which included uh, React Native and a partnership with the team over at Facebook um, and also uh, Apache Cordova. And so I worked on that for several years. And then in 2020, you know, sometimes you just need a change. Like there's no, there's nothing like wrong, right? But you're like, I've been doing mobile development for 10 years. I feel like I understand this like inside and out. I know what, I, when I jump on a customer interview, what they're going to say before I even ask the question, right? Yeah. Um, and you just look for new challenges. And, you know, uh, around that time was uh, when Teams was exploding and we were making a lot more uh I, I guess like the platform itself was growing a lot and we needed more people working on it. And so I moved over to focus on uh, specifically teams uh, and teams developer experience. And then over the last few years, that's grown to encompass all of them 365. So um, yeah, that was a little bit of a scary thing. Uh, for me, it was like not the, it was not so much the product stuff that I had to like, cause I, I like felt confident about like all of that, but like, you know, you have relationships of 10 plus years with some of the people you were working with. Yep. Yep. And especially yes. going through a startup and the <laughs> acquisition and everything like that, you're like, you know, I went, to, I went through hell with some of these people. You know, we had, we, we, we laughed together. We cried together quite literally. Like we went through this uh, acquisition process, which, you know, when you get acquired by a big company, you never know how that's going to go. And it was amazing yep. for Microsoft, but we didn't know that at the time. Um, we were just some startup that was joining Microsoft. And so we went through all those growing pains together. And like, um, there's something about that, that when you leave that, you're like, oh, like that was a connection we had like on a very interpersonal level. Um, and that was something that I was really scared of when I left the team. But I think like what I recognize is like, there's awesome people all, all over the place. And like, I started to forge like lots of new bonds, like with y'all, uh, 
obviously with the new team that I'm on, uh, all throughout DevDiv, CNAI, Microsoft. So like, you know, I, I was really scared of the people aspect, but I, I think it ended up being a great moment of growth for me because I got to meet all these new people that I would have like never met if I just stayed with my comfort existing. Exactly. These are, this is my social circle bubble, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's always good. good. It's almost a de- oh, in a different, maybe a decade, but it's almost like the same as in, in people were at some point in SharePoint because we come from a SharePoint background. With Well, like it doesn't do that. We do that that often nowadays because it's a bit different. What do but you mean we used every to be, day I'm going to MSW? Okay, so but it used to be the on-premises people banging our head against the wall during the weekends. You're doing server, server upgrades and all of that stuff, and you have that connection between the community yep. and ecosystem. And of course, all of that is now changed and evolved to be Microsoft 365. But if you're against the chains, then that might be much more difficult to do. If you're like, okay, fine, I'll ride the wave. And yes, this will be painful, but I need to start learning the new things. Uh, it will be certainly much more beneficial. So and rather than being like, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. Yes. Yeah, and it's and it's also an interesting space you picked, right? Because like you you picked another space to meet new folks, and you picked M365, which is a big place because there yeah. is Teams, there is Graph, there is SharePoint, there is Viva, there are APIs, there are experiences, there is Graph. Like there's that's actually good. Did you know what you were picking when you were exactly. picking? Exactly. Like, 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 did you pick teams specifically or is like teams? Was it like it up and then you get the whole string of, Yeah, that can't oh be God. that big. <laughs> I, I think I of like it being a thing, <laughs> quote unquote, but like I definitely didn't realize like just how much there was in the platform when I joined. Um, that was definitely like a, a a learning experience for me. And I think it's been great actually, because I've been able to, you know, going back to the superpowers thing, and I think everyone has their own perspective and you can learn from it. Like a lot of people have been in the N365 world for a long time. And so when I have questions about why things are the way they are, you know, what does this product do versus this product? And you can really dig deep with a lot of people about, you know, why we made the decisions we made. And then on the other side, like I'm bringing a totally new perspective. I actually don't have any N365 background. confession, I've never even used the Microsoft Graph before I joined this team. Um, And so like that whole world was kind of like a black box to me. And so I actually think I also brought a new perspective to all of you because it's like, hey, I'm not part of your community before. I never, I didn't know about all these products. I don't know the things you know. And so like I asked the, you know, quote unquote, dumb questions, but they're questions that everybody has of like, well, what is this? And and how do I use that? And why is that the way it is? And so you get a lot of the feedback of someone with a new perspective. And like, I like that we can blend those two things together. And that's something that I, I think like a lot of people, when they change roles, they get really scared of the fact they don't know things. Um, but I actually think this is like your superpower, especially when you're joining a team that's been very well established and has a yeah. lot of more senior members who have been on there for a long time. Almost always the best thing you can do is part of your onboarding. And I have this as part of the onboarding guide for people who join my team go use the product and just like, there's a scenario, like I'll ask you to build some app and just write down everything, not just bugs, but things you find confusing, things you find frustrating. Like it took me 30 minutes to find the right doc that I needed to find to build this yep. thing, right? Um, and you kind of note all those things down and that's like a superpower because as you work on something for longer, obviously you're, you gain more experience and you're more familiar with how everything works and that has its value but you also become very shielded to the newcomer perspective because you don't think like they do anymore. Right. And so when you're joining a new team, that's one of the most powerful things you can do is provide that perspective. And so really lean into that. 
I would also say like my other thing that I still do with Vesta and uh, you Waldeck all the time is I'm like, I, I'm, I'm new. I don't know how this works. Like lean into the I'm new thing. I've been working on this for a couple years now and I still say, you actually I'm know, new. right? I, I mean, at some point, like it will yeah, not but, be like, you cannot say you're but new. But again, that's, I mean, that's but highly, that is, highly subjective. What is new and what's not is, new. And, but and that so. is a very interesting point, right? Because like you would almost think like, why don't we have a thing where, you know, like let's, switch people across team let let's like an Circle, um yeah. internship like for a month i will go to a different team be there and ask all these things just to make them aware like like oh like we didn't know that, that that's a thing because exactly it is the blind spots you yeah. uh develop or you actually uh work around in a way because you know your way around things like you know the right words to use places to go to and people who are new don't like they don't have that the muscle built yet, yeah. right? So I think that that would be as a concept invaluable, right? Like for a semester or no, like they'll 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 be probably too long, but like a month or two, like just to have somebody you know brand new, like hey, let's do a thing. Well, and which you is can a even great idea. Informally, right? Yeah. Like you can do an informal version of this, and I'll do this all the time. Like sometimes in those Friday days, like yeah, of course I'm building Teams apps, I'm building M365 apps, I'm using Graph, I'm using SharePoint. But occasionally, I'll just use something random, like from another team. I'm like, hey, I've been really interested in, you know, Azure Container Apps. I don't know anything about containers. Okay, let's dive in. And like, I'll spend a Friday doing that. And I'll type up that same report that I just mentioned that I asked people who join my team to do and send it over to them. And you know what you do? You make a new friend. They're like, wow, this is really great onboarding yep. feedback. I really appreciate it. Now, I have a friend on the Container Apps team because I've just done that. Right. And so like, I've okay. discovered a new technology. I've learned something new and I've made new friends. So it's something you have to be intentional about, but you can definitely do informally, even if your company doesn't have like a more formal rotation program. And that actually works really well in the community as well, using a GitHub yep. and using issue list and all of that, as long as the feedback is constructive and not like, eh, this doesn't work and then eh, whatever. So, right. But you can actually find a new career, new jobs and new opportunities yep. just by providing structural feedback and, and constructive feedback. And all of a sudden people are like, hey, would you like to be involved? So, and employed right. in our company, because again, people can prove their value in open source as well. So for sure. This is this is like the concept. Um, yeah, I believe that in life, like uh, luck plays a big percentage for sure. Um, however, I also believe you can create your own luck. And I think that's a great example of, you know, what we just talked about is an example of that. Like if I expand my network and I make new connections and I try new things, yeah, maybe it will amount to nothing. But yeah, like you said, maybe, you know, that new team is hiring, a, needs a new PM manager. And then like, I'm going to yep. go over there because they know me yep. already and they know my work. And like, Yep. So you can create your luck to some extent by just being curious. I think that's yep. a great yeah. attribute and something I really look for when I hire people for our team is like, are you just curious? Are you really like excitable? Do you want to learn more? Like, um, or are you like kind of, uh, you know, more passive and wait for things to come to you? Like I find if you can uh, more actively explore things on your own, then yep. you're going to create more opportunities for yourself. Absolutely, absolutely, and and of course, to be fair, we always need multiple kind of people. So it's it's okay not to be yeah. always the the first in line on doing everything uh, and jumping on things because we need different kind of people having that diversity uh, across the work. Yeah. But, but as I said, that the goodwill typically comes back. It's it's the karma is is a real thing. It might come back in a, in a one and a half years. Somebody says and says your name. You're applying now and says, hey, so oh, this one was the guy who. Oh, actually you created were that, that guy who sent us the report with exactly. all the bugs. 
Mm, yes. And then you're like, is it good or bad? <laughs> well, and that's actually a great point. Like, that's why, like, um, like it's always important, like, because people do remember those things. And, yeah. like, um, it's why it's always good to treat people with kindness and respect exactly. and all of those things, because you could have 100 great moments, but if you have one bad one, people remember the bad one. And yes, so um, I think, like, if you're just a decent human towards others, then, like, people will remember that. One hundred percent. Now, from a timing perspective, I guess we are closing up on the timeline. Um, I'm just watching things. Now yes. we're going to put you on a spot here. Uh, <laughs> what's uh, actually we didn't talk about uh, the no maybe hmm, what can we talk? We about? We invited I'm you thinking. to talk about Team Stokit, and we didn't talk yes, about exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's the the three top core cool things in the Team Stokit, which is about to get released pretty soon? Um, I guess. So <laughs> it's there's a beta already available. There's previous stuff is available. It's all open source, which is by the way, like awesome. It's all available uh, already. So which is great. But what's the like the three or five the top call, coolest thing in the team's toolkit? Why would why would a developer should be interested? Why would they be interested in looking into that? For sure. Yeah. So I'll talk about some of the things that like we already hear great feedback on, uh, both from the open source community and some of our customer conversations we have. Um, so the first is like, uh, I think if you haven't taken uh, a stab into building Teams apps yet or M365 apps, just go try the toolkit, create a new app. You can start from a sample. Uh, so if you're like more of a samples person, sometimes I am, it depends on what I'm approaching. Or you can start from a new code scaffold and you can just start there. Um, so the feedback that we get is uh, this is the easiest way to get started with uh, developing for the platform. So if you haven't already taken a dive into building apps, go try it. So that's for a lot of reasons. I think like what you said earlier, you know, the strength of our platform is just we have so much breadth and depth, but it also can be a little overwhelming if you're new, right? It's just a lot of concepts to learn. And so I think the team toolkit does a really good job of um, exposing you to the concepts at the right time without showing you it all at once, right? Um, so that's one thing. Uh, I think the second thing is our dev loop. So like something, what I mean by that is like most of our day as software developers is I write some code, I hit debug, I see if it works, I maybe had some breakpoints, I do a hot reload and I make some adjustments. This is what I spend the overwhelming majority of my day when I'm not like checking Stack Overflow or Twitter <laughs> uh, doing, <laughs> right? As a developer, right? Um, so, um, this is also something we get really good feedback on. And because it's something you do so often in your day, if that dev loop for you is really rapid and you can iterate quickly, that's one of the most productive things that uh, you can have in your tool belt as a developer is a really fast inner dev loop. So that's the thing we get really good feedback on as well with Teams Toolkit. And then we also have a dedicated way to do cloud development. So uh, essentially when you're building Teams apps, almost always these are gonna have some cloud or backend component, right? And so something you can do is you can add both M365 and Azure Cloud resources to that project. Uh, we will manage those resources uh, via something called Biceps. So you have this transparent infrastructure as code. Uh, all, they're all scripts. They're all right there. We'll manage those for you as you add and remove resources from your project, such as like an Azure function or an Azure SQL database. And then basically with one click, you can provision and deploy those resources. Um, or... If you're in a company where, you know, as a developer, you have a more lockdown production environment and you can't do that. Well, the great thing about infrastructure as code is you can take those scripts, give them to your, uh, you know, deployment engineer and your deployment engineer can just deploy them for you. So that's the really nice thing about the way we've done it. We've simplified cloud development by not having you to think about all this configuration and how these things all tie together. But at the same time, we still give you all the flexibility of like, this thing is in a black box. You can take these scripts and you can hand them off to someone and they can deploy. So that's what Team Toolkit does today. 
what's coming up? Uh, so I'm going to let everybody in the PMP audience up on uh, some secrets that are coming out Ooh. soon. Um, so what are we releasing at Build? I'll go ahead and tell you. Uh, the Build is on GitHub. You can go download it. Nothing's private. And I'm an open book. So we'll talk about it. Um, the big thing is uh, scenario-driven development. So what do I mean by this? Uh, you know, if I'm building a Teams app, I have a tab, I have a bot, I have a message extension. These are extensibility services. But those are just what the platform offers in terms of me as a developer to go do things. What do I do with those things? Um, so we've created a whole bunch of scenario-driven templates, um, namely around notifications and what we'll call command and response style bots. So notifications are something happens in my business, post to a Teams channel, right? And maybe I can act on it. We find these scenarios are really popular. Command and response is like flash commands, like uh, a lot of chat ops style uh, applications follow this pattern. Of course, you did already build these things with uh, with our platform today. Uh, but using the scenario templates we have, we've really simplified it a lot. You don't have to be a bot expert to build these sorts of apps. Uh, it's very minimal code. You basically hit your API, uh, you present some data and an adaptive card, and we handle the rest. So it's, it's actually quite simple to get started. Uh, and uh, this is all available on GitHub. The other thing that we've uh, been working on quite a bit is our integration with other M365 services. So it is the Teams Toolkit. But confusingly, <laughs> you can also build for uh, for Outlook and Office as well. And so yep. we have an F5 to Outlook experience, F5 to Office experience um, that you can do there as well. And like I said, DevLoop is a big thing. Uh, so that's big as well. Uh, and then the other thing that we've been working a lot on, which will be available in preview, I don't actually know if it's on the GitHub build today, but I'll say it's coming soon, um, is we're going to be offering integrated tunneling. And so what I mean by that is like today, if I'm building a bot or something like that, I'd have to get Ingrock. And I'd have to set up a tunnel and I'd have to configure that. And uh, then, you know, I, that's how I basically would do debugging on my machine for my bot. Yep. So, you know, that's a good process. And a lot of uh, customers are really comfortable using that. Uh, some can't use it for IT reasons. And the configuration also, if you're new, is a little non-intuitive. Um, so essentially what we'll offer is like if you're building something that would require a tunneling integration, when you have five, it just works. Um, and that's pretty cool. So this is going to be using a lot of the same tech that we use when we built GitHub code spaces and the debugging experience for that. We've integrated that into the toolkit so that you can F5 and you won't even have to think about tunneling. It just works, cool. uh, which is really, really awesome. That's part of our integrated F5 experience. So that will be available as a preview um, at build. I don't know if it's in the GitHub builds exactly. Worst manager ever, worst product lead ever. Don't know if it's in the actual build today, <laughs> but in the coming weeks, I think if you keep an eye out on the M365 blog, we'll have more information yep. on that. Yeah, and really, build this on twenty really fourth cool. next week, starting on yeah twenty fourth next Tuesday when we Already. are recording what? this on Monday on sixteenth. Yeah, it's happening actually quite fast. So, so really really cool. Now I have to say maybe we should consider renaming the thing as Microsoft Three Sixty Five Toolkit and get uh, Viva Microsoft Viva involved there as well because we do have tooling on it and all of that. So, so but again. Naming naming changes are always hard. I know a lot of MVPs who had their their feelings immediately like bad feelings and another renaming because uh, it's always so hard. Anyway, but maybe maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. yeah, have to keep an eye out to see. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> we need to keep on evolving, evolving. This is a evolution. So one yeah. step at a time towards. It's an I well, I love this word which is not an actual word in English which is being improvenist. So rather than trying to be a perfectionist, be an improvenist, which is basically don't even try to be perfect because nobody's perfect. Nothing is perfect. But and once a bit of time improving, 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 I head into the right direction. So 
given the resources what you have. Anyway, I guess that's it. Uh, what we're gonna cover this week? Any anything from your side, Waltex? Still last words? No, we we talked about it already, and I mean we could we could stay here for probably for <laughs> another hour or two. Yeah, I think that gives us more the reason. Like once things settled, you know, dust settle for a part. And we are after build, like, let's get back. Let's talk more, you know, yeah. like when you're doing next rev on what you've learned, what you've heard, new plans, it would be really cool to get your ideas, peers, about, you know, what you've learned and where you're going to go with the team. So that would be really cool. Of course. Yeah. And community members, like if you have feedback, like, of course, you can always leave feedback on GitHub. Uh, you can also, I'll get my email. You can reach out to me directly, pierce.bogan at microsoft.com. Send me an email with your feedback, good, bad, neutral, whatever. I really, like you said earlier, like, um, you know, it's hard to do what we do without your feedback. This this toolkit is driven by uh, your input. And so to, to make a really awesome product, I need your input. So feel free to reach out to me either via email, like I just gave, or on Twitter at PierceBogan. And I'd be happy to be in touch and have a conversation. Awesome. 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 That is really, really good. Awesome. And, I, and I love the energy, by the way, I have to say, because we're doing the right thing. We're heading to the right direction and there's a lot of positive energy. It's always good. So really, really cool. But thanks, Piers, for joining. Uh, and from here, we'll jump in the podcast and in the video looking to the weekly articles. But thank you, Piers. Awesome to have you hey. on the call. Thank you. So really good discussion, uh, and it's it's actually great uh, that we're heading in the build uh, and and getting uh, a, a a stuff again released and available for the community. Is that under NDA? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to talk about things if you don't know what we talked about. Yeah, that's true. That Either way, true. it was an awesome interview. Thank you so much, Piers. Yes, <laughs> excellent. So let's jump on the on the weekly articles, going through the latest articles from Microsoft and from the community. Well, not all of them, but some of them. So let's go just jump to them. Ah, where is my script where I need it? So <laughs> right here, right on your desk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you wrote it on Sunday for me. Why are you not following on the script? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's start with Microsoft News. Uh, so from the Microsoft Teams side, uh, there was a one article which was around Microsoft Teams webinars and celebrating one year together. Uh, so a year ago, uh, the Microsoft Teams webinar functionality was released. And that's this kind of a summary on all of the different features and capabilities which are available and how stuff is getting released one step at a time more and more as well. And what are the cool uh, let's say meeting application integrations and all of that stuff, which we're uh, investing here as well. So really, really cool feature. Um, there's also a nice video with Freti, um, and she is the crew program manager uh, on the Teams uh, meeting, Teams uh, event, but <laughs> webinars <Events>. feature. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> cool. So really, really cool article there. Now on the developer blog side, uh, we have actually quite a few articles. So Icobus um, had a new article, Waldeck. Exactly. So there is a new article from Aicha, who is a colleague of mine. And in this article, she talks about the concept of collaborative apps. So apps in which you can work with others real time. And in real time, you can see changes, you can see what everybody does, which gives really this dynamic experience and you get up to date all the time as opposed to you having to do something, refresh, wait to real, no, no. You get to see changes real time. So in this article, she shares the concepts, 
um, sample scenario that you could use for this uh, technology or that you could solve with this tech. Yep. And then showing a video, like step-by-step, step, taking you from the concept to really building an app that, that uses this tech. So it's really cool uh, technology and scenario because as we collaborate more and more remotely where everybody is behind the screen and that technology gives you this ability to have more or a richer experience and have the feeling that we're collaborating. It's a real-time yep. thing as opposed to asynchronously doing things. So yeah. definitely which, check it out. Which both, of course, have the scenarios which they're needed. So every now and then, a synchronous way of doing things is, is um, actually a bit they of They both but again. They have, have their place, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Now, the, this particular article in the developer blog uh, was Publisher App in the Microsoft Teams App Store from Bob German. Uh, and it's basically a summary article uh, for the video, uh, which... Uh, Natalie uh, has done, Natalie Katz, uh, around how do you publish some Microsoft Teams apps to the store. So what are the steps on how to make that happen and how do you sign up for the partner center and all of that stuff. So really, really cool video as well, which is getting a lot of views uh, in the Microsoft 365 developer channel. So really, really good. And of course, references on all of the different articles. And then the, the third one in here was from Office Team. Yes, exactly. So. We announced a change in Office add-ins, how you execute functions in function add-ins, right? So if you've built an add-in that calls a function, there's a change in how we go about it, how you register that and build that. So if you are in this space, check this announcement out to ensure that your add-ins will work. And these changes must be made before October 30, 2022. So you still have some time but before you go on holiday, you might want to add yourself a reminder that you keep that, that, that in mind if your add-in uses this option. Yep, really, really good, uh, good reminder for sure. And then there was an update on the Office JavaScript API for Power Query, read-only data now available for Excel. And this is basically querying, for example, the items and then manipulating with the items in the script. So that's now available in the Excel site. So really, really cool to see more and more features uh, across the stack in the Office add-in side as well. And then we had something related on modernization. Exactly. So talking more about Office. In the past, you might have built an app with Access. Nowadays, as we move to Power Platform, Power Apps, Dataverse, you might want to use this or have the same app available on the cloud for everybody. So there is now a way for you to migrate your Access app to Power Platform, Dataverse, and to have to use more the power of the cloud for your line of business apps. So if you're in this space, if, if you have Access app that you would like to migrate to the cloud, check this out. And that's actually really cool that there's even an export to Dataverse option available directly in Access. That's actually really, really cool. Super clean setup um, to get started. Now, we, we did have a new blog post also related on a new maintainers in the Microsoft 365, CLI for Microsoft 365 team. You, you can actually talk about this one, Walter. Yes, definitely. So CLI has been around for a few years. And as we grow, you know, we get more users more folks who contribute, and that's really awesome because it's cool to see that on the one hand, it's a tool that thousands of folks use every day in their work, but it's also cool to see that there's also this other side to it where we created a space for folks to get experience with open source, engage with that community, that way to contribute. But all of that requires, you know, 
time and time and attention. We want to be able to timely respond to requests that we get, to issues, questions, PRs, and so forth and so on. And with that, we decided to grow maintainers team. So folks who really look after the project, uh, respond to PRs, respond to issues, and so forth and so on, with two guys who have been around for the last few months have been really active. And they embody the spirit that, that, that we want to promote, right? Folks who are there to help, right? So Adam and Martin are going to from today or effective from last week, really. So they're going to work with us to review PRs, respond to issues, basically take care of the project so that we can help more folks and bring also more folks on. So this yep. is a really exciting news that is just a part of you know, the way how we evolve over time and try to grow and create a stable, sustainable, open source project. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's good to see the, the, the growth of the team and getting more people involved. And, and, which is, and great to have Adam and Martin involved in this overall open source initiative. So thank you for that. Now, then uh, related on open source, um, uh, Stefan Bauer had a, some great news related on H2O uh, with version 1.0 is out. Um, I think his, his personal Twitter account was saying that um, he came, overcame the anxiety of releasing 1.0, <laughs> so, which is always true. I say, if you build something by yourself, when is it good enough for to do a major version rather than just giving it no it's better it's better it's better so maybe for everybody who is new to it what is h2o in two absolutely sentences? yeah i was just about to get there but oh, yeah. h2o uh, is a a, a mic uh, it's an implementation of microsoft fluent uh, guidance in a html level and then there are a few variations out of it as well but basically it provides you a way of building Affluent UX style components and implementations and web services uh, uh, as you follow up on things. And, and uh, basically, what Stefan has done is that he has provided a significant amount of guidance related on implementation and input and styling, which is not only for React, because that's what we as a Microsoft always provide as a React version of Fluent, as a reusable controls, and quite a few set of reusable controls for React Fluent. Um, but um, Stefan really focused on the style and HTML and CSS level of things. So how it should look like, and then you can adapt this as part of your uh, Angular or Vue or whatever is your chosen framework and, and implement things to look still consistently as they are. There yeah. is H2O React as well, which has then React implementation on top of H2O, uh, but it still uses the same styling behind the scenes. So. Really, really cool, really cool. So exciting news yep. and congrats, right? Because it's it's a huge thing and, and it's also a commitment thing, right? Like like you basically say, we're, we, are, we are at the place where we are not going to change anything big because we're in a V1, right? So whatever is yep. there is solid, it's ready to use and you can expect for that to stay stable for time, right? Yeah, until there's going to be a broken change, breaking changes, and then it's another version. So and it's hopefully not too soon, right? Because if there yeah, is exactly. one thing that exactly. developers really hate is to have to rewrite their app every other yes. day. So yes, yes, that is so true. Now, uh, on other areas on the CLI for Microsoft 365, Adam. That same Adam Wojcik, yes. who's now a maintainer in the CLI for Microsoft 365, actually has released a really cool Visual Studio uh, code extension. Yes, exactly. So he built, built an extension that if you write a script 
using CLI from, or script that uses CLI from Microsoft 365 in VS Code, with this extension, you will get IntelliSense. You will get kind of this hints about, hey, I want to run this command, and you will get examples or the whole blueprint, like what commands or what arguments it expects, what options, and so forth and so on. So if yep. you build scripts that use CLI for Microsoft 365, this extension is really invaluable. It's going to save you so, so much time because you would not need to have, you know, this other browser window next to it, looking up docs all the time. No, you will get IntelliSense directly in VS Code where you build your script. So if you're in yep. this space, if you use CLI to build scripts, check it out. This is really, really cool. How does CLI for Microsoft 365 stuff uh, in it's here, Robert? It's a thing, right? Yes, <laughs> it is clearly a thing. I uh, had a, a blog article related on sending debug for, well, the name is wrong. It's CLI for Microsoft 365. That is actually, that was the name at some point, but then it was changed to few reasons. Well, um, we, yeah, we changed from Office 365 CLI to CLI for Microsoft 365. That is true. That is true. Yeah, we yes. go back yes. that, that long, right? Yeah. That's like that's like dinosaur age in the yeah. in IT. The, it's, it's been eighty four years. <laughs> yes, exactly. But anyway, on this article, uh, Robert talks about uh, if you're looking into doing uh, development of additional commands uh, for uh, CLI for Microsoft 365. How would you actually do debugging and testing out those commands as you do development uh, in in TypeScript? Is it the, the TypeScript? How do you do development? How in are these yeah, commands? Yeah, yeah. So, so it's all in TypeScript. It's all yeah. strongly typed. You know, you get design time, type safety fe features, IntelliSense for types, all of that. But then again, like when you write the code, you want to be able to, you know, set debugger and step through the code. And yeah. Robert. Also, in an awesome way, explains with screenshots, with images, explains all of that. Like, hey, how do you, where do you go? What do you need to set? What do you need to change? Where arrows yep. point to like every single place. So this is really awesome article for everybody who is in the space, who works with us. Yep. This is definitely a it's must read because it's going to improve your dev experience so, so much. Yeah, that is true. That's true. Now, Chris O'Brien from uh, Content and Cloud uh, had a new blog post as well, which is around automate creation of new documents in SharePoint syntax content assembly and another great article from Chris, uh, right, uh, Oleg? Oh, yes. It's like I've been reading Chris's uh, blog for years, really, like I think since 2007. And he has this really awesome way that when he writes, you know, he really takes his time to take a topic, really dive through it, explain everything yep. with nice images so that you don't just have like a paragraph of text like, hey, there's a new thing, but why? What's the reasoning behind yep. it? How would you use it? All the thinking so, so that you can truly understand the idea behind it and then apply it to your work. Absolutely, absolutely. And SharePoint Syntax is really, really cool. So we just need to get it, to be honest, uh, we need to get it into developer tenants so that the developers start, can start using that uh, as well more easily. Right now, that's unfortunately not the case, but it's surprisingly powerful. You can do so much with machine, yeah. machine uh, intelligence, uh, which we are under the machine learning and, and the intelligence, which we have with the SharePoint Syntax. So yep. really, really cool stuff. Now, Paolo Pialorzi had a new uh, video. Uh, he's now covering the BMP reusable React controls. Um, and he talks about uh, the BMP carousel, the carousel. control. Yes. So how does it actually work? And, and uh, how do you make that to be used within the SPFX um, components? Um, so really, really cool summary again on, on showing how to make uh, things happen. Uh, 
and it is actually quite easy. So really, really cool uh, control as well. And then the final and the last video was from April Dunham related on... Yes. How yep. to modify SharePoint list toolbar buttons with list formatting. So this time it doesn't seem like it's about Power Platform. Um, yes, yes, that is correct. It's about adjusting what are those buttons which we see over there. And now that we actually support of removing them, which is actually really, really cool. So you can yeah. use the JSON definitions um, to define and target, for example, the individual uh, buttons and then say hide equals true and poof, yeah. it is gone. And this is really cool way because if you can think about it, we call all of them apps, right? Like like you might want to build a things that helps you do your work. At the end of the day, depending on your technology uh, experience, you might like, we call it all apps, but it might be something that is really effective, like a simple tweak in the UI, which is what you see here in the video that Apple made, right? That it's a simple thing that allows you to adjust the UI of a list. And then you don't list, you, you can, for example, change a label and you say you don't add an item, but you add your request. And that already, you know, that little difference in wording for yep. end user, like that's a huge change. Because like yep. now they're inside an app. Like to them, it's abstracted away that, well, it's just a list with adaptive. Well, yeah. No, no, no. Like this is an, an, an app. So at the end of the day, it's a really, it's really cool to see the spectrum that we offer on Microsoft 365 yeah. to build apps that help users work more effectively. They're going, you know, from small adjustment that we do in the UI all the way to pro developer applications that yep. run on Azure. Now, it's actually, when I think about it, and the entry, I'm going to stop this and this good philosophical discussion as well. When I think about it, it's not that the end user needs to understand that they're in an app because they don't. They are in Microsoft 365. If the best apps and best experiences are those which look like and feel like they're part of the native experiences and they're almost seamlessly adapt across the whole other functionalities, because that's what we're trying to do with React Fluent uh, and, and Fluent UX, making consistency so that people feel familiar, even though it's an advanced scenario. So we can well, do then I adjustments think, and, and things. Well, I see it a bit differently to the point that I'm on my phone and I know I'm on. I'm on a phone, but I'm doing things in an app. And I think that people are familiar with the concept of being in an app. Like you go, you yeah, open an absolutely. app to, to accomplish X. And yep. I think it's the same thing on internet. Like I don't genuinely think that anybody thinks I am on M365. You are in Teams, which is an app that yeah, is a part of that. Point. You are sure. in the request yeah. app or your days off app or your yep. approvals app. But and it's one of the overall yes. easily available. It yes. looks consistent. Um, exactly. This is the workplace, your digital workplace yeah. that has different apps that allow you to complete scenarios in your workday. Yeah. But it's totally irrelevant in a way, even if it's a power app, if it's a, yeah, exactly. a, ju exactly. just a list, definition, or, or it's a it's fully exactly. fledged web app, yeah. you know, with real time yeah. collaborative features. Like as that long is as it's achieving the end call. Exactly, and gives you the experience that is um, sufficient for your needs to to accomplish that. So, yep. so Absolutely. in other words, like if I'm requesting a day off, I don't need collaborative features because I don't expect my manager to approve it in real time, and I will not <laughs> sit, sit there and wait. Is it done yet? You're right? not. You're not. What? <laughs> I might be missing something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. will. I will share it with my manager to do that to like see if we know. 
<laughs> right? But there are some cases, right, that for for which that real time aspect is important, right? So at the end of the day, or it comes in, down increasing to, the the experience. In, it makes the experience yes, better. Absolutely, absolutely. So at the end of the day, like when you start with what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What is the best way to facilitate that? Is it yep. an online app? Is it maybe in person meeting? Assuming you can do that, right? Yep. So it's really cool to, at the end of the day, um, acknowledge that we have a spectrum of technology choices available to us. Yep. And then we basically pick and choose. Like, what is how we can support this thing that we're trying to do in the best way? And, and as we're heading more and more and, and seeing a lot of investments and abstraction, abstraction getting lower, higher. Anyway, I can abstraction getting higher. So what I mean at that one is that the end users can actually create more powerful experiences without the need of actually writing real code. So and that's the low code, no code movement, which is all about empowering end users. And, and you can click a button. Well, well but I mean, we used to do, do it things. in the past, VBA. People yeah, used we, to we do it for a long, and long, 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 long time. Lots, lots to be used. It's, uh, exactly. it's so widely used uh, yeah. in Office. So. Yes, I mean, like it's just more tooling. Like, like we get more because the cool thing is, if you look, for example, at things like Flow, it allows me to automate without my computer having to be on. I don't need to turn it on. No, no, I can run something, you know, like let's say I start my day at 8 a.m. And I want to have aggregate of relevant, I don't know, news. Yep. I can have a script or a flow that runs before I even start. But by the time I'm behind my desk and I turn the laptop on, everything's there. I'm ready yep. to start my work without having to, you yep. know, run that thing for it to work. No, and that's yep. really cool that there are, there's more technology, more choice available to us. And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to one Knowing that that is there, knowing what is there, because it's yep. so much that at times you might lose so track. And two, yeah. sure. knowing when to use what, what sure. which technology sure. makes the most sense for which case. And I guess that that is the isn't, hardest is, part. Isn't that driven by the credit uh, scorecards? No, just kidding, just kidding. Just <laughs> a bit of a bad joke there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, because <laughs> there was there was an interesting thing, right? There, there was the other day there was an interview with your manager Ed on the M365 Developer Podcast, yep. where he said that at Microsoft we offer choices for different things, and the trick or the thing to realize is, is that at times they overlap. Yep, and that is that is what makes it hard because it's at times it's hard to say for this you should do X. Well, because kind of the X and, and the Y fit it a little. And yep. then you really need to understand and maybe you you need to go about it two ways. Like one, it's driven by your experience. Do you have more skills in this space or in that yep. space? And then you can yep. choose two like that. Or you will say like, well, they might be more fitting, but or they might fit both. But I know that down the road, I will not be able to do X. And that is also exactly. a part of the plan, not now, but maybe for some time. And yep. being aware of that, that isn't yep. always obvious. That might be also the uh, the other way you go about it and trying to choose whatever makes sense technology to uh, to build your uh, yep. solution. And I think the, the most important thing is to realize, like I said, is that it depends. There's no right or wrong. There's no, the, the best practice term is that say, 
diluted and not a valuable term to use. Well, but but it's in what context, right? It's always in what context. From which perspective, and, yeah. and how do you, what, what are you, how do you define a best practice? But that comes with a experience as well. So you understand that it's not about the best thing and the skills what you have. It doesn't necessarily define that that is the best thing for everybody else. So, yeah, it's the classic nail. Uh, if you if you were if you're holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So, but that's not necessarily how it works. No, it so. doesn't. It doesn't. Cool. Anyway, what's happening this week? Anything interesting on your side? What's happening this week? Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. So as you're watching this, it's today. You might have watched it already past when it happened. If you watch uh, this later on, it was in the past. May 17th, <laughs> on May 17, 2022, on the Microsoft 365 platform call, uh, Paolo Alorsi and I will show... Uh, part of a bigger solution that we have built the other day. Uh, and the cool part is, is that it shows how you can build a, an app, again, that spends all of the Microsoft 365, right? And we will show the part that is specific to Viva Connections and SharePoint. So this yep. is a really cool thing because you will, you will learn something practical, something that you can use in your workplace directly. Um, and like at some point, we will also share the code. So it will be a really cool way for you to see how we think about it, how we think about building apps and also bringing these apps to where users are, to their fingertips, as opposed to them having to go somewhere, especially when they're on the go. So yep. if you're interested in that, uh, join us on the call, I guess. Um, so that is one. Two uh, is just, you know, the rhythm of work. We're proceeding with CLI for Microsoft 365, building new features, releasing new versions, accepting PRs. And now that there's more of us, well, hopefully we can uh, even re- more stuff release even, even more yes. stuff. Exactly. Yes. Because it wasn't enough already. Yes. Right. So we're doing that. Um, other than that, other than that, other than that, um, no, no, really not the top of my head. What about you? Good question. Um, still trying to catch myself around this week. Uh, community calls, community calls, con- co- coordination. Uh, I guess SPFX 1.15, new demo, new preview version is coming out again. Um, so adjustments mm. and updates. So we're getting closer to GA. This might be actually already release candidate, but we'll see. Oh, pretty close, actually. So now we're trying to awesome. get focused on the list customizer component. Nothing else on this release. So, well, of course, there's going to be a lot of other stuff as well, but still. So, uh, and I'm watching my calendar, trying to scan anything <laughs> super traumatic, which I need to jump into. Luckily, not. I can. This means that I can probably catch up on things. There's there's a lot of one thing which is actually taking a lot of time, which we can't yet talk about too much. But uh, we're looking into deprecating some of the older pieces within the uh, within the SharePoint sites, um, and those things are always really, 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 really painful um, because you need to. Which is good. Like in well, in a way, as you need to clean up for you. Well, yeah. I mean, like as as tough as it is. For you and everybody on the team, the way I say it's good to hear is that you you acknowledge importance of you know the right comms, the fact that it's being used and it's being used a lot, sure. and you cannot just you know like 
pull the rug from underneath folks, but because things will break, that's not the way yeah, to, absolutely. to absolutely. go, that's not how you do that. go about it. Exactly. We, don't, we can't say what it is right now, but there's actually a yeah. few things and all the things which we're looking into shutting down. And, and, and one of these things, one of the big challenges of shutting down something is that, first of all, you need to understand what is the usage. And is the usage, it's not just the absolute number on a moment of a time, it's the, is the usage growing, is it going down? And is it only a subset of tenants or is it a large set of tenants? Because all of that is then impacting the strategic decisions on how do we shut this feature down? And then you need to have the data, you need to have the directions, and then you need to start planning uh, communication because you're not going to shut certain centralized features down in without giving 12 months or 24 months heads up for the people. Yeah. So and also knowing the impact, the relationships yes. with other features, sounds like yeah. you cannot just, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's surprisingly interesting. And, and one of the challenges in all of this is, is that, of course, given the, the society always focused on new shiny things, society and the companies don't quite often, uh, let's say, focus on, hey, you did a good job of cleaning this stuff. It's like, yeah, but this is the shiny thing, shiny thing, ah, shiny thing. It's, it's the human mindset is more on, let's build something cool. No, no, we need to do this. No, let's build something cool. So <laughs> it's an interesting dilemma to, to balance. So It is, it is, it is. But, it's, it is hard, right, that, as, as you say, we focus more and more and more on the you know the new things uh and you get more more accolades for that but on the other hand like keeping the lights on is important too because we have a lot of customers who work with yeah, us every absolutely. single day and absolutely their business depends on us and that yeah. needs to work and a part of yeah. that is well i mean every line of code you, you can clean up you don't need and you can clean clean up that decreases maintenance effort that decreases you know chance of a bug Everything so yep. it's an important yep. thing too, you know. Like yep. basically, like it's a part of the ongoing operation business, it right? Is. It is, especially in cloud as well. It's it's not just the new stuff. It's also the yeah, focusing on the sustainability and not the new shiny things. But anyway, I guess that's it for now. Thank you, Pierce, one more time. Really good uh, discussion. Uh, good to catch up. And thank you, Waldeck. And uh, we'll be back with the new PMP Weekly within a week. Thank you, Vesa. See you next week. Bye-bye.